Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Oppress. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup, and that coffee is best two to 14 days after it's been roasted. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, the baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, give me the rawest opinion while giving you straight up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Press. We give a sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the major events of this week and finish our discussion on the death penalty in the United States. Press, what's popping, baby? Well, Jules, I'll tell you one thing, man. This week uh, has been a wild, wild time here in this country and even personally. Um, so I'm just going to start off by just telling you a quick story, man. At work, we had a major uh, layoff uh, for, for people, and this took place on Thursday. And so with the major events that happened on Wednesday, we are definitely going to be pulling back the curtain on. But if that wasn't enough, then I find out that a lot of people that I'm like really close to that were let go, right? So then now you talk about people that were already hurting, you know, just in general, what's going on with the pandemic. Now these people have no jobs. Like we talked about on the other episode about, you know, COVID relief and people being able to provide. Now these are individuals, now they're going to be seeking some sort of assistance. I don't know what type of severance packages are going to be available for these people. So it's been a really, really... um tough week for me personally. Other than that, man, I'm just really happy to be doing this show with you today. I got a lot of shit to say, and I hope our listeners are definitely ready for a real conversation today. Man, definitely my hearts and prayers go out to the people who lost their jobs. Definitely be keeping them in my prayers. Hope that one door, that door closed, but something else is open as more better and stuff for them. Yeah, I definitely like to hear that, man, especially starting up a new year too, and with all the things that's been going on. So I would definitely keep them in my prayers. 
I appreciate that. Let's just get into it, man. So as you mentioned okay. in the opener, we had some really, really major events. I want to start off with some positive, man, before we get into some of the things that were disappointing about this week. So, Jules, we saw that Georgia had their Senate runoffs. I love election coverage, bro. I'm not even going to lie to you. I sit there and watch that shit all night long, man, listening to them guys talk and get their opinions and and then writing the stuff up on the boards. Bro, I love that shit, man. I like fucking nerd out when I see it. But this election was, to me, it was monumental, bro, because you look at it on one sense, right? <laughs> you have Tuesday where we have this runoff, and that served as like a backdrop to something that was positive, right? We had basically a reverend that was a senior pastor at Dr. Martin Luther King's church, Ebenezer, right? Mm-hmm. And then we had mm-hmm. a Jewish media executive that basically won seats, and which that gave the Democrats the majority, or it will give them the majority, mm-hmm. right? So that was right. monumental. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that night, just because for me, man, when I was looking at everything that happened there, Man, I was really happy to see that, man. You know, um, listening to it and, and watching the footage and feedback and stuff like that, I was wondering, like, what Georgia? Georgia's been red since for, for a minute. Yep. And for for Biden to get, you know, get the election from there, and then you have this runoff for the two Senate seats, like, what happened? Because it hasn't been, I believe, it hasn't been blue since, since Clinton, I believe. That is correct. So what happened? So the state of Georgia, okay, had this majority vote required that, you know, each candidate must secure 50% of the vote. Okay. So they did their runoff and end up winning. And I was not surprised, but I was like, okay. So this pendulum has has switched from red to blue all across the board, as you said earlier, giving them control of the uh, of the Senate or about to. So, man, that was my thoughts of it. I thought it was monumental and excellent for the country. Yeah, man, because the thing about it is the odds in history were against both of those candidates. Mm-hmm. The one thing with uh, with Ossoff, when he was going up against Kelly Loeffler, that was a, a race that she was the incumbent. But one thing that I wanted our audience to realize with her, she is also a minority owner of a WNBA team there in Atlanta, the Atlanta mm-hmm. Dream. She actually insulted basically her team because she condemned the Black Lives Matter movement and kind of mocked it. And she also said to the league that she didn't understand why they were basically going through and saying things about Breonna Taylor and to say her name and things of that nature. So I want to give a big kudos to those ladies in the WNBA, especially that Atlanta Dream Team. Because as you mentioned, with Warnock's victory, he probably wouldn't have won if it weren't for them first. Because Mm -hmm. what happened was, he was polling at 10% uh, before she, Kelly Loeffler made those comments about the, the movement, right? So do you know okay. what those players did? They got smart. They got strategic, and they mobilized. They started wearing shirts with Warnock's name on it, right? What does that do? When you have professional yeah. athletes and people with some sort of a profile, now people are sitting here like, who's Warnock? It builds right. awareness. It builds attention, right? That's what mm-hmm. me and Jules talk about on this show, using your platform. That's why we do pull it back the curtain because we're using this platform for good, right? Bringing stories to light. And so what these women did was really brought Warnock and made him a national name. He basically, his social media presence grew as a result of this with these individuals. And they, instead of getting emotional about their boss's disrespect to them, no, they just responded with class and careful strategy. And they helped her opponent (laughs) beat her ass. (laughs) Dude, Dude, that's how you do it. You don't need to fist fight every battle. 
we're going to get more into that later on in the podcast. But what they did, like you said, Chris, there's methodical and strategic about how they're going to execute this plan they had. Like you said, they gave publicity to, to the Reverend wearing his name. So where people was like, man, who, like you say, do some research and who's this person? And what's he doing? What's he about? And stuff like that. Which, like you say, catapult him and winning that seed. Now you got LeBron talking about, uh, you heard LeBron this week talking about he wants to get some people together to buy the dream from her. That's right. <laughs> and, you, and, and you know what? He going to make it happen too. Man. They going to get that price up. They going to get that money. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what, man? That's just something, man. Just, she was at the wrong place, at the wrong time, saying the wrong things, man. Uh, something like that that was going on, things in the country that was going on that affected people of color. And you have a lot of people of color on your team. You're employing these people. They're working for you. 80% of our out, team. Right. And to come out and say that, you just didn't care. No. And the thing about it is, though, I'm glad she said it because that's the way she feels. So oh, guess yeah. what? Mm-hmm. But hold on. But, but like you, you said a lot of times on the season one, these people in their hearts, bro, they have these things. You're not going to change people's hearts. What's in people's hearts is in their hearts. But guess what? Your words came back and they bit you in the ass, Kelly. <laughs> it, it sure did. It sure did. Because what, what happened? Well, she lost. Well, she ended up losing 2%, but still loss is a loss. Yeah, she took an L. She got embarrassed that her damn employees made her like a dumbass. Mm-hmm. Another person, Jules, that I wanted to give a salute to with this whole situation that happened in Georgia, because you're right, right? It says 92 this state has been red. So what changed? I'll tell you. We talked about earlier <laughs> in season two how Stacey Abrams also mm-hmm. was very vital with getting the Black people to vote. Not only Stacey Abrams, but there was also a lot of grassroots organizations in Georgia. You have your sororities, your fraternities, Jack and Jill, all these different organizations all came together to not only get people to register to vote, but then also ensure that they were voting. And we saw that those people in Georgia, they got their asses out there and they voted. And that's what happens when people exercise their right to vote. That's it. It's simple, right? Yep. Simple. All you have to do when the election comes, know that well, you have to do your research, knowing the candidates who's who's running for that office and and just pick who, who best suit for your your lifestyle and what you want to see happen for it. Like you say, you want to leave this uh, country better for your your generation, your seed that's growing up in, in their seeds and stuff like that. So. This right here, this this election here, I think we will. I don't think we're gonna go back, uh, press me, press. I don't think we're gonna go back. It's it's people came out to to vote and stuff, and I think in the future elections we're gonna keep this momentum going. We got no choice but to man, mm-hmm. uh, because I'll tell you this, man. Why the GOP was focused on you know uh, calling the election a fraud and and all this other nonsense that they were doing to try to keep people from voting. What were the Democrats that were, what were they doing down in Georgia? All they were doing was mobilizing and preparing for these runoffs. So they were thinking ahead. They were strategizing. So while the Republicans were being emotional and trying to stir the pot, the Democrats, at least when it comes to Georgia, they got smart and they said, let's focus on these runoffs because that's going to be key for these two seats. And mm-hmm. look what they did. Mm-hmm. Dude, definitely, definitely played chess. Definitely played chess. Like you said, they occupying, trying to, trying to win this get the election switched over saying there's some fraud stuff going on, which, no, it wasn't. But you got this Senate seat where if these two Democrats win, they're going to have control of the uh, of the Senate. They already got control of the House. Now you got Biden winning the uh, presidency. They get they run the tables. That's right. And why this is important, Jules, and for our listeners to realize is now Biden, he's got more room to maneuver on policies and, and basic nominations when he gets into office, right? And one of the things that I heard him mention is that 
he's going to immediately get to work on those $2,000 uh, checks for individuals that qualify for those stimulus payments. Oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be excellent. People need them. Yeah. I mean, shit, you heard me talk about those layoffs that mm-hmm. happened in my job. I mean, shit, mm-hmm. man. And, I, and I'll tell you, man, one thing I'm just going to say here, and I don't really give a fuck who from my employer hears this corporate greed, man. Fuck y'all, man. Because people out here trying to feed their families. And I know you executives are going to get your big bonuses in the, in the next couple of weeks. And we got to prioritize people over greed. It's just, it's no time for that. And I really hope that these uh, politicians start to do better for us as well. Because even with the $2,000 checks, I still don't think that's enough. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it'll help. But then, you know, money, money go like water. Yeah, yeah. You spend that thing like it ain't nobody's business. You know, uh, inflation, everything, everything's expensive. So you, you'll blow through that 2000 but at least it's, you know, I mean, it's something to, to tie you over for a little bit. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that uh, for people that are receive those that'll help them out. And again, man, I'm just really, really encouraged by what I saw on Tuesday. Now, turning the page and looking at the events from Wednesday, Uh-oh. all that optimism that I had on Tuesday night, it went away in the blink of an eye. And I'll just say this, brother. All I saw on Wednesday was white privilege flashing on my TV over and over and over and over again. That is the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. When we talk to you guys about stories about redlining, when we talk to you about what took place in Selma, this is why we tell you guys these stories. This is why we bring these people to life because this shit still happens today. Now, you look at those Capitol riots. I'm not going to call those people fucking protesters. They weren't protesting shit. The person that they're sitting here fucking doing all this shit for lost an election. Buddy took an uh-huh. L. You ain't fighting no a fucking oppression. You ain't a fucking protester. You're a fucking rioter. You're a fucking terrorist. I'm going to call it what it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's defined as domestic terrorism. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it is. I don't want to hear anybody talking mm-hmm. to me. I had people texting me, oh, man, those protesters, they weren't no fucking protesters. Keep that same energy when I was out here in Chicago, in fucking Oak Park, all over this fucking state, going to Kenosha, protesting an actual cause that people will sit here and look at me sideways, thinking that I'm out here doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. All I'm doing is trying to fucking fight for what's right. Now, you have people out here in this world, Jules, that were apologizing for what we saw on our TV screens on Wednesday. And I'm going to tell those people, if you happen to be listening to this show, that you need to really educate yourself on what's going on. Because what we saw on Wednesday, that is not it. That was an embarrassment. And I want you to realize, for anybody that sits here and defends what we saw, think about the last time that something like that happened in our Capitol building. Was it 1812, when the British soldiers came here and invaded Washington? Mm-hmm. And burned up shit. Yeah, burnt it down. We had enemies that came here and fucking burned our shit down. These were supposed to be U.S. citizens that breached the Capitol building, that are in the building fucking chilling on fucking lawmakers' desk, that are fucking stealing files, that are taking fucking selfies with law enforcement. What the fuck is going on in this country? Because I'll tell you one thing. When they had those Black Lives Matters protests at that Capitol building six months ago, those Capitol steps were fucking armed with the National Guard. They couldn't get anywhere near that fucking Capitol building. Why was that situation different than what we saw on Wednesday? That's what I want people to fucking think about. Because the shit is not right. This is a tale of two Americas. It's been going on for over 400 fucking years. And that shit flashed on our TV screens all fucking day on Wednesday. And then we finally have people that are starting to realize, man, this stuff isn't right. It's been not right. 
and I'll tell you one thing, Jules, and I'm going to let you get in here, but I don't agree with public property destruction crowd. They were real fucking quiet on Wednesday. They were real fucking quiet on Wednesday. And I wonder why. Prez, I, I, don't, I was at work when all this was, was going on. And I was actually handling a job at the time. I forgot what job was it, but I had to tell that person, you know, turn on, turn on the news for me. And I'm in there, my partner and I, we in there watching this unfold while we, we, we handle it at work. Yeah. You're right. The tale of two Americas, it's, we get wars. We get a little wars that's going on here. There's a war of, uh, of democracy and tyranny. There's a war of national socialism. There's a war of good and evil, war of right and wrong, war of the racist, war of religion. It's just wars everywhere. And, and, and the Biden administration can't do it alone. Police or, or Wall Street or big techs, law-abiding citizens can't do it alone. American citizens can't do it alone. We all got to come collective and, and together in, in order to, to win this thing. Now, what we saw Wednesday, that was just like you said, that was embarrassing. First of all, heads are going to roll because no way in the world that should have happened. To the Capitol building? Right. You would think the White House and the Capitol building, the two heaviest guarded buildings in this country. You would think. But you know what, Jules? Uh, hey. I mm-hmm. guarantee you, if those people were involved in that fucking situation would have been black, we'd have had hundreds and hundreds of people dead on those steps before they even stepped in that fucking Capitol. So I'm looking at this thing, and, and immediately I thought about what Franklin, what Franklin Roosevelt went through when it burned Pearl Harbor in 41. And the next day he gave that speech about going to war and stuff like that. And he said, this is the day we'll live in infamy. That's what came to my mind when I saw this. You know what I'm saying? You had the president, you had President Trump. You also had Rudy Giuliani and you had, I think, more, Roy Moore. You know, they was exciting, exciting this thing, exciting this riot. I mean. And not, and not only them, the fucking president. I'm not even going to give you the respect of that title. Trump. It wasn't just his tweets that he put out there the day of that insinuated that these people needed to do what they did. This shit's been brewing for fucking four years. And I just want people to realize uh-huh. that this wasn't just something that just casually happened. Think about what happened in Charlottesville, listeners. After what those people did, which that was another domestic attack on America, this man got on the mic and basically said, these are very fine people, right? You think about All what right, he right. said to those Proud Boys when he was at the debate. He told them to stand by. Think Stand about, by and, stay, and stay ready. And stay mm-hmm. ready. Mm-hmm. Think about what he said on Wednesday to these capital terrorists. He said, we love you. Now think about that. Now that's in dark contrast to what he said to the black NFL players that knelt. Right. What did he say? He called them sons of bitches. He called them sons of bitches. Right. What did he call Mexican immigrants? He called them he rapists. Called them rapists, yeah. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, and he Fred, called Muslims terrorists. Now. I talked to you guys in season one about coded language that people use to fucking poison the minds of people. That right there is the number one thing that needs to change in this country is people's mindset. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Mm -hmm. Hispanic. It doesn't matter. We should be looking at people by their character, not by the color of their skin, like Dr. King said many Mm -hmm. years ago. But I'll tell you one thing, man. This is all on Trump. Now, I've told you, He's got the most blood on his hands of any fucking president, and I say that with air quotes, in the history of this country. He killed so many people with this COVID and the way that he just ignored that whole fucking situation with this pandemic. But you think about it now. 
Five people died on Wednesday that didn't have to die mm-hmm. because of President Trump. This man has leaned into fucking white supremacy. He stands for division, hatred, domestic terrorism, racism, and let's not forget the fact of what we don't even talk about anymore. Separated children from their parents at the border. That's the most cruel shit you could ever do. Think about that. And me and you, Jules, we talk about that all the time, man. We were coming up. Could you imagine we get separated from our fucking family at five and six years old and sometimes even younger than that? The cruelty of that. This country became a huge laughing stock on January 6th. And then for me personally, Jules, that's a day that I'm never, ever going to fucking forget. The biggest thing for me is seeing that treatment between races in America, and it was on full display. That's all I got to say about that, man. This stuff was unacceptable. It's on Trump. The fact that it took Twitter four years to finally decide to ban him from their platform when he's been using that platform to spew hatred and to spew nonsense and to rally these fucking racist people and terrorist people to do what happened on Wednesday. This is on YouTube, mm-hmm. social media. Man, dude, you see, hey, hey, brother, I, I feel the passion and, and the fire and stuff coming for you. I, I, I agree. I'm with you. I'm with you. For the people who don't know, I'm pretty sure they know. Here's what he said. He said, if you do not fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Let the weak ones get out of there, and it's time for strength. He sent them off, okay? They was over at the White House, and then they started walking over there to the Capitol building. All of them not rioters or whatever, you know. You no, they all all were. They all were. Fuck They all were? They all were. If they were out there with that nonsense... Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not making no distinctions because they weren't making no distinctions. Okay. Look, hear, hear me uh, out. Hear me out. They weren't making no sense okay. distinctions mm-hmm. for us. We were all painted with a broad brush. Remember that. And that's why I want people okay. to keep that same energy, Jules, because think about that. When I was protesting, if somebody would have saw me on a, on a newspaper or an article, they would have said, he's probably looting a target. <laughs> <laughs> so guess what? <laughs> If I see you out there with that fucking red cap on and holding up on them damn flags, guess what? You're a terrorist and you're doing anarchy. That's just the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because guess what? Hold on. Hear me out. One more thing, because you just got me another point that just popped in my head. <laughs> no, go ahead. I didn't touch one item when I was out there that did not belong to me. I did not bother one individual that I did not know. I didn't yell at anyone. Now, when I looked at those video jewels, and I'm seeing these individuals breaching a Capitol building, which is supposed to be one of the most secure places in this fucking country, but mm-hmm. then also breaking down barriers. So, no, those people were there for no good. And I don't fucking hold any of them and say, oh, well, some of them were just there. No, fuck that. If they had your ass on okay. camera, hold on, hear me out. If they had your ass on camera, you should be losing your fucking job. And a lot of them have been. Oh, yeah, a lot of them. And, 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 it, and more, more, like I said, more heads are going to roll, too. Hell you already yeah. you already got people getting locked up and losing their jobs and stuff like that. Okay, all right. Look, we got these degenerates. They were scared. They were scaling walls, right? I ain't never seen. They're like goddamn monkeys, bro. That should look like some shit out of a fucking video game, man. Right? I'm sitting there looking at this like they literally scaling the Capitol building walls, like Spider Man or something. You get these degenerates. They busting down windows. These degenerates. They busting down doors. They going around and they ransacking, sitting it in, in, in these Congress people's offices and stuff like that. Taking mail out of Nancy Pelosi's office. He got his foot on the desk, taking the selfie. Hey, what are these people trying to? My my whole thing was, what was they trying to achieve? What was Dude. the what was the mission here? Well, I'll tell you one thing. 
You look at some of those pictures and you saw that they had those plastic handcuffs. Those guys came there for destruction. They came there to kidnap legislators. They found one of the guys had bombs mm-hmm. and, and co- Molotov cocktails on them. Yep. They won't come in there, bro, with no good intentions, bro. That shit basically got oh, foiled no, no. because they had some quick thinkers that was able to uh, evacuate the senators. That shit, if right. they would have right. been right. able to, they, that shit would have went real left. And the fact of the matter is, all summer I had to listen to people talking about, oh my God, the Gucci store got fucking busted up. But they have mm-hmm. more energy towards a fucking major corporation like Gucci that can rebuild their store back in fucking two weeks. We have a national fucking monument that basically all these individuals will tell you that they're all about the flag, right, Jules? They'll tell you, we stand right, for right. the flag, this and that. Well, why is it no, that... They no, they don't. Because why is it that they took no, our don't. flag down, they put a Trump flag up when they went in there and invaded right. the Capitol? This ain't about the flag. It no, never was. it's not about the flag. It never was. Like I said, it was a war between these races now. Now, because, you know, they was going around, listen, one at Mike Pence. Yeah. They was going to hang him. They, was they, going, they said they wanted to hang him. And, and what and that, Mike Pence do? And, and that's another thing. They hanging up nooses, bro. Right. They, they, was, up hanging, nooses. they was hanging up nooses. You had the, uh, uh, you had a Robert E. Lee's grandson, a descendant of Robert E. Lee's uh, a re- relative was there. Had He had the Confederate flag on his shoulder. Oh God! I mean, you had a you had a cat you had a cat there that was wearing a Camp Oshawa hoodie. Now people don't know who Camp Oshawa is. It's a it's a concentration camp, right? And you know, what I'm saying that you know that Nazis using doing the Holocaust in World War II against Pol- Polish people and stuff like that. So it's like, like, dude, what? You know what? Don't people look at you? I wasn't in charge because you know what I would do, and I don't even know if it's okay to say this, but it'll been uh, it'll been, and if you don't evacuate, it'll be a shoot on sight order. Because you can't have this. Like I said, people coming in, zip ties, Molotov cocktail, bombs, talking about if it will win off, it's, it's equivalent to like napalm. Oh, if we're if we going to go into war this way, then the war I'm, I'm going to have to give you. You got officers being hurt. People are getting killed. Officer, officer got hurt. 50 officers was injured. One officer died. I heard he, yeah. they, they, hit him, they hit him multiple times with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, I saw that. But also this. How come the law enforcement wasn't as heavy-handed with those people as they are with black people? Well, that's that's a question I want you to answer. Because well, here's the thing. Here's yep. the thing with that, it can be it, it can be a few things. Inside job, we're not going to talk to talk to talk to Right. It could be inside job where the heads the heads of the department uh say, hey, you know what? We don't need reinforcements or 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 assistance or anything like that. We can handle it. But they was caught with their pants down. They was overwhelming. Dude. It was 40,000-plus people out there. You couldn't control that. I think it's only 2,000 of D.C. Capitol Police. But hold on. But they sure know how to manage that shit when it's with people of color involved. Remember I just said now, earlier in this, in this episode, mm-hmm. I know people that are out there that were protesting um, around that Capitol building. They couldn't get within a nine-block radius of that building. On this particular situation that happened on Wednesday, they basically had it so scaled down that these individuals were able to get extremely close to the Capitol building. So my thing so, is this, <laughs> and to your point, you said, hey, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible with the numbers. There were more than 40,000 people out there this summer when they were protesting for George Floyd and other different dis- right. uh, injustices mm-hmm. that happened. But they somehow managed to control that situation. But I want people to just understand and call it what it is. Why is it that the same response didn't greet these individuals on Wednesday? 
Well, I heard they were, they were, they were in there for um, hours, bro. They were in there for hours. Yeah, it took four hours to gain control. It's again it gain control of the Capitol building. It took about four hours. What well, the thing is with with that, like I said, the numbers, inside job, the leadership was just absolutely terrible. What else? Just caught with the pants down. I mean, all the above. Because you had you had officers out there trying. Now, I mean, they just dropped the ball, Press. They just dropped the ball because they couldn't handle it. And I feel sorry for those officers. Real talk. Because they was getting ran over. I, I, I know get everybody. That. Who, I, I get that. Part. They was I getting ran you over. They were getting ran over. But hold they on. They was getting ran over. One officer was running from them. But did you also see that there were officers, the D.C. officers, they, mm-hmm. they had like a page on Facebook and they were talking about that. And they said, point blank, they said, we know this would have been different if these individuals would have been black. Because there were five people that were killed. Right, Those numbers right, right. would have been massive. They would have been massive. And... I understand that the law enforcement that were out there, yeah, they got ambushed, right? They mm-hmm, they were right. they were under siege. But my whole thing is, where was that situation where they in that moment just took their guns out and just started fucking shooting? I didn't see that. What well, they probably had to stand down order. Okay. Just like uh just like here during the summer, we had stand down orders. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you, when the George Floyd riots started breaking out, we wasn't prepared either. It took us another day or two to get situated, to get people in place and stuff like that. And that's all across the United States. Hell, they took over, they took over six blocks in Seattle. Never gained control until about what, a couple weeks later? Right. Portland's still going at. Yeah, but so, I would say, I, but I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compare these those situations because what, what took place for those situations, those were actual causes, uh, and those were actually rhymes or reasons for those situations. And this man lost an election. I'm, I'm not. Gonna, oh no! Yeah, right. I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not painting that parallel because. No, 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 no. I, yeah. I get you. I'm just talking about yeah. the, 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 the tactics on what happened there. I'm just talking about the straight up tactics here. I can talk about Chicago. We wasn't. Re- we got our asses kicked. Yeah, we yeah. wasn't ready. But I'll tell you one thing. I also got the shit tear gassed out of me, and I wasn't fucking with nobody. So I'll just say y'all might have got y'all asses kicked, but so do we. Um, what I'll say mm-hmm. at this situation. Oh. Well it's, it's, it, well, it's a fight. Yeah, it's going to be back and forth now. <laughs> yeah. Hey. But, but, but what I'll say is, man, with this situation here, again, it's a tale of two Americas. Because mm-hmm. white privilege is what kept those people from being gunned down. You can't tell me anything otherwise. That is the exact reason why we march. It's the exact reason why we protest. It's the exact reason why we demand justice. And I'm going to tell you, it's the reason why we're going to continue to fight. And audience, that is why we do pulling back the curtain. Because I'm sorry. What I saw on Wednesday, I am not going to excuse. And we're going to tell this story because we know that there's people out here that will look at what took place on Wednesday and they'll try to say, oh, well, I, you know, it was just uh, those guys were just a little pissed off. Like Mm-mm. the union president said for CPD, which I couldn't believe he said that shit on NPR. And he, he was forced to apologize for that. And the type of mentality and thinking of people that can sit and look at what they saw and offer any sort of excuse for it is mind-blowing to me, bro. It's mind-blowing. They were more upset about a Target getting a windows broken out of it than our capital. Mm-hmm. Our capital. Think about that. That's our democracy, bro. Well, yeah, that's where the laws are. That's where the laws and stuff are, are, are taking place and stuff. I'm <sighs> with you. I'm with you. And and I know John, therefore be president. I know John personally. And almost, I, I wish I still had his number because I would have called him up. He don't let you know people. He do not speak for the whole department of the, uh, the police department. He do not speak for, because 
like you said, but, but but you know what? In his position, though, uh, he serves as that mouthpiece, so he should watch what he says. Exactly, exactly. That's why he had to come back and 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 and, and give that apology because right. I don't want him. Look, I don't want people to hear that and say, "Oh, that's what CPD think." No, no, no. That's not what we think. He talked for. Don't nobody talk for me. He talked for himself. <laughs> he he speak for himself <laughs> because what what happened there? Oh my, <laughs> hey. And I have friends that's on the job. We talked about it, and and we all we all had the same same thought. Oh, this is embarrassing. This is messed up. What's going on in America? And this is just is in, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. And the thing about it is, and I want our audience to know, I'm not making no distinction between Jules and what it happened out there. I'm just asking a question in general. And I want our audience when I ask these type of questions, I want you to think about that type of stuff of what we saw, right? But I know where Jules stands, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I didn't want, even when I saw what happened with those terrorists out there Wednesday, Jules, I didn't want them to get shot. I didn't want that at all. No, but you know what I want? No. I want in a situation that if somebody that looks like me does what those individuals do, that they get treated with that same premise and be treated that same way. That's what I'm asking exactly. for. Hey, I'm with you. Hey, if these if these group of people could storm the Capitol and... And if you had to go, if you had to put on some sap gloves and stuff like that, fine. If somebody else, you know, doing something different, doing the same thing, but different, and you hit, you give them a heavy hand, it's the same thing. You got to have the same thing. Because in the end of the day, it's the same stuff. The rhyme and reason of this, you, you scratch your head because it's like, what are you going to get out of this? Nothing. You're not going to change the election. You're not no. going to change the outcome. And what do they do? And for the, the the people, the Congress people, the stuff that went back, they went back one o'clock in the morning to finish. Big kudos to them, man. Because after all that was said and done, you got rioters and the degenerates and deplorables and stuff like that out of the office, and some of them got about fifty of them got arrested and stuff like that. They finished. They went back and finished the, finished work and voted uh by next next president. Yep, they got that done. They got awesome. it done. One thing that I wanted to say, man, before we move on to the next topic here and, and finish our discussion on the death penalty, uh, Jules, is when I looked at the videos and pictures later of after all the um, the the destruction that was caused um, with the, when they uh, invaded the Capitol building, did you know who I noticed that was cleaning up all of that destruction? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and say it. Black people. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Audience. We didn't cause any of that, but we're cleaning up the mess. We're cleaning up the mess, yeah. And we cleaned up the mess in Georgia. So, Georgia, you can thank black people, too. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hey, I saw that prayers, man. I was like, damn. I know I, I was, <laughs> if I was custodian there, man, I'm mad to them up. I right. said, no, you get these people, you get these people back up here and clean yeah. this up. You, I'll clean this up. I didn't do right. this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll just stand there like, you, I'll be standing there with my hands over my head like, God damn. When I always look at custodians, I'm always like, Damn, man. I'm like, dude, you got to fucking do all this? And I can only imagine when they fucking reported to work and looked around at all that shit and was like, <laughs> are we supposed what? to, are we right. supposed to like, this supposed to be done all by the end of my shift? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, no, no, where am I? I'm going to call my supervisor right now. Hey, y'all paying me. Y'all paying me for this. I mean, y'all giving me. Bruh. Double play and then they, they, they better got triple pay, right? right. Double, triple play, something. Right. I don't know how that worked, bro. When I looked at that, I was like, boy, that ain't going to be no eight-hour shift. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, you got them people to ransack all them offices and stuff like that, and they do paper everywhere, and glasses, glass 
on the floor and everywhere. Man, oh, I'd have been, I'd been highly pissed. <laughs> I'd have yeah, been man. highly pissed. But, but shout out to them, those, those custodians, man, because damn, I when you look at them pictures, man, I'm like, boy, them, those those people did a fucking number on the Capitol sure Bill. They sure did. And the thing about this, like, like we said, though, these individuals, Trump got them gassed up. Mm-hmm. He got people killed. That lady that got shot up, she was all gassed up on social media the day before, saying how she was going to go there and they were going to do all this stuff. They were all riled up. And the thing about it is, right. he's getting people killed, bro. Continually to get people killed. Let's, the words, it's written. It's written in the Bible. The words will condemn or profess you. That tongue is a mighty weapon. Yeah, it is. Man. Yeah, it is. For what? People lost it. Five people lost their lives. People got a dozen people injured. For what is the thing? Because like you said, it was about at least about 60 uh, Capitol Police officers that got that got injured um, in that situation. And so, dude, I mean, 15 of them ended up in the hospital. It, it's just, this was unnecessary, bro, in the sense yeah. that mm-hmm. there was no, this, this shit here could have been avoided. And as I mentioned, if Twitter and social media would have stopped letting this man spew his nonsense, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If our fucking Congress and our fucking leadership were strong enough to do something about his rhetoric, this could have been prevented. If Mike Pence right. would have stepped up, something could have been done about this because he could have invoked the 25th Amendment, but he didn't right. do it. No, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But what I'm saying is, I don't want to hear anybody's, oh, man, this is so wrong and this and that. Well, you were in a position of power and you could do something and you're not doing anything, but you want to go on social media and placate people, keep that shit to yourself. I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't want to fucking hear people's fucking apologies. I don't fucking care about these people that have been resigning because guess what? You sat by for fucking four years and watched this man do what he's done to this country. So fuck your resignation. You resigning with one week left in the fucking game. The fuck out of here. Yeah, it's too. That's way too little. Way too late. Because you doing that doesn't doesn't prove nothing. People needed you there at the time when they needed you. Like you say, back in Charlottesville and stuff like. Where was you at then? Any other things that that was coming out of his mouth? You can check this dude. <laughs> you can check this dude. You an elected official. It's not like he can fire you. Right. They were afraid of him. Right. Come on, bro. He's just one man. He put up, he put his pants leg, one leg on at a time. Man, the only thing that dude gonna do to you is talk shit about you on Twitter, man. You can't take exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. He ain't putting hands on nobody. But prayers, you hit it right on we the head. We definitely know he ain't putting hands on his wife, but that's another no, story for another day. No, damn, damn. <laughs> it's but, but prayers. You hit it right <laughs> on the head when you said all these people could have done something, but they didn't. And this is what happened. And this was the straw that broke the camel's back big time. Yeah, because what we saw when we saw Wednesday was if you can impeach this dude, I mean, <laughs> I, I, what's what's there to stop you? Right, right. You know what I mean? Because you got to think about this man. This man has done any and everything while he's been in office. Ooh, he wore that office out, boy. My <laughs> God, man. My God, and, and think about this, man. I remember when Obama was president, and people used to come for him for various things, and I'm like, bro. Looking back at those eight years of Obama, I'm like, man, even your biggest complaint about him wouldn't even be the top 100 for Trump. Right. <laughs> I bet you, hey, I bet you people's like, they still wish Obama was still in office. Hell yeah. Man. Hell yeah. Because we had four years. We man. had it, boy. 
man. But you know what? One more week of this shit, man. And we'll see, man. We'll turn the page. We get the Biden-Harris administration in here. And like I told you guys earlier in season two, we America, we have to give these two a chance. They got a lot of cleanup to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of cleanup. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what they're doing, they're coming in like those custodians after the damn Capitol building's been oh, ransacked. Oh, that's that's the job they got, Jules. Hey, you know what? <laughs> they need to hire some more people, man, because that's, that's going to be a nice little cleanup war. And it's going to take a few days, maybe a week. I don't know. They need, they need the right people and they need the right uh, team. Because, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a lot of work. They better be ready to roll up their sleeves. Ooh-wee. Man. I, I, I wouldn't want that job, Jules. I'm telling you. Uh-uh. No, because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand there and just look. Yeah, you just don't be looking at you. You, you know them situations in life. Think about it. Like, say, for instance, you get some water in your basement and stuff. You just look at it and then you, like, think it's going to change by you just staring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, they ain't going. Yeah, it ain't going. No, go it ain't going nowhere. Ain't go nowhere. <laughs> that water's still there, Ooh, man. Hey, man, that's funny, dude. That's hey, man. You say about the custodian? I already know because I re- I saw the picture of one of the custodian. He was just he had his broom and just and just working. I'm just like, man, I feel sorry for this dude here. Right. I'm like, somebody get him something better than a broom. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, I'll be going over there with them blowers, like the, uh, yeah. like, the like the lawn people. I'll just be blowing that stuff into I'm blowing outside or something. I don't know. Blow it into big giant piles, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. But man, I but the thing about it is, listeners, we just want you guys to just man, just look at like what took place Wednesday and just separate because I'm not gonna sit here and say violence of any sort is ever a solution to anything. I'm never gonna sit here and say that it's okay to destroy anything. But what I want people to do is call an apple an apple, call a spade a spade. Point blank, what I'm asking, right? If you had a problem with the summer, then you should definitely have a problem with Wednesday. Oh, most That's definitely. That's it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Most so, definitely. Now, let's quickly finish up our discussion on the death penalty. There's going to be some more Trump slander coming, ladies and gentlemen, so just be, uh-huh. be, on, the, be, be on the lookout. But when Jules finished up the episode last week, he talked about Gary Gilmore. Gary Gilmore, for people that may not have uh, kind of finished up that part of the episode, he was executed in the state of Utah, and I believe it was by firing squad, right, uh, Jules? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I wouldn't want that, but okay. <laughs> Dude, that's like, remember, uh, what was that um, that death series, man, that they used to uh, advertise on late night TV? Uh, what was it, the Faces oh. of Death or something like that? Remember that? Man, death series. I'm trying to think now. You got me thinking, Perez. I, I, I thought it was called Faces of Death or something like that, man. But they would show like it was like one scene where a woman like inadvertently didn't even see the train coming and she walked on the train track and got oh, hit by the train. Okay, right, 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 right. Yeah, they had they had was one it scene. Faces of Death or Faces was it of like, Death or what, or what was, was it? it Faces of Death? Yeah, or, I don't know, man. But it's, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but so they had one scene on there that was like the firing squad that happened. And I'm like, damn, because they had the guy, he was like tied up to the stake. And then when the body went limp, I'm like, bro, they lit his ass up. And so, man, that's that's how Gilmore passed away. Whew. Hey, you know, Gilmore, you know, he wanted that. He asked for it. Yeah. He asked for the death penalty. Yeah. That brother said, you know, his last words said, let's do it. He didn't give a fuck. He wanted all the smoke, apparently. Man, he said, yeah, he did those murders. And yeah, I'll take whatever punishment. Firing squad, guillotine, burn at the stake. Hey, give it to me. This man what do you said, want, what, what is it? What are my options? Yeah, this man said, bring <laughs> it on. <laughs> he said, bring it on. <laughs> no, bro. No, 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 no. 
No, nope. man, I, that, ain't, ain't. that ain't the way. That ain't the way. No. Nah. Uh, and listen, but, what Gary should have did, what, what Gary should have did, Gary should have just, he should have repented for the, that murder he was doing. But he didn't care. No. Because the thing about it is, though, he probably was also mentally disturbed because I ain't going to lie to you. Even if I did commit some sort of crime like that, I'm still going to be like, man, getting some lawyers like, hey, can you just try to figure something out here? <laughs> right. I don't want to die. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, right. maybe it's a, 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 a technicality somewhere where we, yeah. can, we can skip through the loopholes or something. Right. But, <laughs> I, look, remember Friday, uh, the, what was it, the Friday after next when Pinky was like, man, I don't want to die. He was crying and shit. That'd be me, bro. I'm like, I don't want to die. Oh, man. <laughs> man but with the death penalty there's uh 28 states that still have the death penalty in the u.s and okay. for our audience i wanted to kind of give you guys just some quick facts on the death penalty today there are currently 52 death row prisoners in the system right now federally and that also includes uh one person whose death sentence reversal is still subject to a possible appeal so when I mentioned earlier that I had some more Trump heat coming, it's just in a sense that what we've seen, Jules, is as his presidency nears, the end of his presidency nears, we've seen an uptick in executions. It's almost like he's gone on a damn killing spree. What is with this guy and, and fucking people dying? It's like he gets off on the shit, bro. This ain't this ain't celebrity apprentice, bro. This is real life. Right. You you die. And then yeah. you, you're next. Like, yeah. Man. I'm like, damn, wow. bro. That's just somebody that don't have a heart, man. No, he don't. You know what? I get it. Our judicial system is set up where, hey, you know, you're tried and stuff by a jury and stuff like that. And if they come up, deciding death penalty. Okay. But it's not to be celebrated. You know what I'm saying? It's not to be, you know, you're not supposed to be happy about it. It's like, it's messed up. You know, this right. person did, did, did it. He did what he did. And this, this is outcome. This is conviction here. But it's not supposed to be, you know, like made a theatrics or nothing like that. It's not supposed to be, like I said, celebrated or or happy about this. It's 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 messed up. Yeah, because you know? he kicked these things off back in uh, July, man, during the damn pandemic when he should have been trying to come up with a solution for COVID, right? Mm-hmm. He's over here kicking back off executions. And it was a 17-year moratorium on those where we didn't see anybody being executed. And seven people were put to death by lethal injection from the months of July through September. Okay. So Trump's already set a record for most inmates executed by a president in a single year alone. Isn't that something? Orlando Hall, he was executed in November. And what they called his situation was the first lame duck execution in a century. Brandon Bernard was executed for his 1999 murder of Todd and Stacey Bagley. Now, for and this happened in Fort Hood. And for anybody that may not be familiar with this story with Brandon, there were a lot of people at the end there that were trying to save Brandon's life. He had a lot of uh, social media attention to his case. And in this situation, it was basically shown that Brandon didn't have any involvement in the actual crime, but that I guess he was like the, give, the getaway driver and then he set the car on fire after the case and the bodies were in the car. And I guess basically uh, the way that shit worked is that they basically put him in the, in the stunt with the other two people that actually committed the crime. Think about it like this. Not only did he have advocates fighting for him, but five of the nine jurors who originally uh, condemned him to death, they went back and said that they didn't think he deserved to die. I was going to say, man, this case, when it comes to Brandon Bernard, I just want to focus on that one real quick. 
I thought it was bogus, bro. He was 18 at the time. He -hmm. played a really minimal role in the offense. Now, I'm not ever going to excuse crime, guys. Crime, murder, all that shit is bad. But I don't think that it's fair for someone that doesn't pull a trigger, that doesn't really necessarily know what's going on in the situation, to be given the same punishment as somebody that basically has taken someone's life. I don't know what you think about that, Jules, but in this situation, I think that if he if he was responsible for a lesser offense, then I think that that should have probably been something that wasn't condemning him to death. I think I didn't hear about this. Did did he knew the the, the bias was in the trunk? That part I'm not necessarily sure about, but I do okay. know that they said that when he set the fire, they said that that was his role. That and he drove the vehicle. Right. Well, that's a little rough. Now, if he knew about the bodies being in the trunk, it might be a different story. But if he didn't just thought he was just a getaway driver and just to stash it and, and get rid of the evidence, yeah, it should it should have been a lesser lesser uh, charge. Yeah. But I, I, from my understanding, Jules, I think that they mm. say he did not know that the bodies were there. Um, okay. That's, that's okay. from my understanding of the situation. And his co-defendant, who was also executed, was the one that basically was responsible for, for the murders. For the murders. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, then I, then I get you. I get you right. Because different roles and stuff like that. But ultimately, his his partner there is the one who committed the murders. And he was just the getaway driver. He probably didn't. He was like, hey, man, I got a job, man. Can you drive me? He probably didn't know nothing about it, you know? Yeah. So it happens. It happens it with that. And But, but you're day. right. He should have had a, a lesser, lesser sentence. And Oof, they, were, they were even saying, and as we talked about on the last episode, remember we told those stories about representation. Right, they said right. that there was basically things at his trial that were not presented that would have likely spared him death. What, he had like a pro bono or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Some of them lawyers there is about, you know, about their pay. And if they're not going to put up with too much of a fight, if they don't see, if they don't see they need to. So yeah, something like that, look at that. They probably looked at him like, yeah, all right, here's what we got. Let's see if we can get you a life, a life sentence or or a lighter uh, conviction or something like that. But it's rough, man. You come to court and, and you present all these evidence and, uh, and the state's got all this and papers and witness statements and co-defendant statements. It can be overwhelming. And you can get your head spitting lost quickly up in there. And yeah. if you don't have right representation, that's why it's, it's good to have the representation so he can break it down to you what's going on. Now, if you got some pro bono lawyer or lawyer that's half-assed doing the job and stuff, man, you might as well kiss your ass goodbye. Well, and that's what we've seen in these situations yeah. with, with mm-hmm. people that have these cases. Because especially when you get prosecutors that are a little overzealous, <laughs> that's what happens. It's all about how you word them things, too. I've been to many trials, many court cases. Alfred Boudreaux, I think is how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Alfred Boudreaux, right. He was executed, and his, his crime was he was charged with abusing, torturing, and murdering his daughter. His attorneys actually argued that Alfred had an intellectual disability and therefore he should not have been executed. And I mm-hmm. think what happened is this is another situation where obviously you already know how I feel about, you know, people, you know, doing anything to kids. So that's another sidebar there. But what they said, though, that there was, again, information at his trial that was not presented. What's the common denominator I want our audience to think about from all these different cases that we talked about with individuals that have been executed? The common denominator is the fact that they've had poor representation. The thing about it is there's individuals out here that have the privilege of being able to be represented well, and their situations aren't as punitive as they are for poor people. But I would just say this, man, his trial lawyers, they never presented uh, the evidence that basically proved that he had an intellectual disability, even though that information was available to them. 
which I don't understand if you're supposed to be representing someone, do your job. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What we just said, what we just said, it was there. It's court record. It's documented. But if you don't present it, the state ain't going to ain't going to, re- you know, just re- reveal this thing for you. No, that's on you. Right. It's like, don't take the case, man, if you ain't going to fucking be uh, in, engaged in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the thing is, you're dealing with people's lives and stuff like that. Now, if there's documentation where he have a, a mental handicap, well, they should have brought that up. And if it's a case where, all right, he did it, but he didn't know what he's doing, then you can you can make the make a decision. Well, you know what? 20, 30 years, life or depth. You know what I'm saying? Now you have something you can work with. Right. Now you have understanding, like, okay. Yeah. You know, plenty of times I'll go out there and have to make a decision. But if I don't have all, if I don't have all the facts and information, my decision is going to be based on what I have. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's the same thing. I mean, if you have this information, man, just bring it all out there. You, this is this is why you're in court. You're in court to fight. <laughs> I mean, this is the reason why you're in court. And that's like playing spades. Don't hold that spade. Exactly. <laughs> Throw right. that shit out. Right. Throw it out there. <laughs> Don't hang on to it. <laughs> but but yeah, so those are some of his most recent executions. And Jules and I, we're not going to like touch into the, the, the nuts and bolts of those cases, but just say mm. at the end of the day that this death penalty situation, the reason why for me personally, I just view it as being a little problematic is this with the fact that we know that Generally, if you look at history of it, it's generally people of color, it's different, generally poor people, it's people that are mentally unstable. These are the type of individuals that we're executing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think that we need to really look at this situation and re-examine it because there has been, and I'm going to put air quotes up here, around reform, but it hasn't been true reform because what we've seen really is different states have rewritten the laws just to kind of make it mm-hmm. more, um, I guess, accessible for them to be able to have that in their back pocket to charge somebody to death if they if they wanted to. One case, Jules, I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, but Lisa Montgomery, she's actually up next to be executed. There's been a lot of back and forth with this case because her lawyers had caught COVID and then they were able to kind of get a stay in, meaning that they were able to get her um her execution kind of pushed back, but then the DOD then went back and they filed another order to have it vacated. And I guess now at this situation, she's going to be scheduled to be executed on the 12th. She's probably going to be, uh, well, at the time when this uh, episode is uploaded, Lisa Montgomery have already been executed. So this is going to happen in three days. Oh, wow. No, I didn't. You know what? I didn't hear about them. I, I heard about Corey Johnson because he yes. was supposed to be. He, he's getting it. Uh, he's after the her. 14th. You're right. He's after her. I want to finish up a couple more points on Lisa. And I want to hear more about the Corey Johnson. Okay. I did see his name pop up uh, after her. Um, OK. Now, with Lisa, she was originally scheduled to be executed on December 8th. And then remember, I mentioned that she got that COVID extension on it. And they were hoping that they would be able to kind of get it extended until the Biden administration took over. But the government basically pushed to to get her executed. So her case, for anybody that doesn't really know about it, um, she was convicted of federal kidnapping. And that federal kidnapping resulted in the death of uh, Bobby Jo Stinnett, who was a pregnant woman that uh, Lisa Montgomery stabbed. And then she cut the fetus from the woman's uh, womb. And she wanted to uh, pass the child off as her own. Now, Lisa Montgomery endured 
years and years of, of childhood trauma and abuse, sexual abuse. And so her attorneys basically said that she's had severe mental illness and a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that dated back to her childhood, they thought that should grant her a little bit of lenience. I would say this, man. Again, the crime that she committed, I'm never ever going to basically excuse that. Okay. But I think that it's also okay to look at somebody's past because there's situations that people have gone through some really fucked up things in their lives that haven't gotten help for that, which you and I, Jules, have talked about on this episode about mental illness and certain things. Mm -hmm. When you have people out here that are walking around and you don't know what type of mental state or mental capacity that they're in, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, these people are disturbed and anything can trigger them at any kind of time and you don't know what you're dealing with. This situation with Lisa Montgomery, what she did, obviously was wrong. But I also think that it's important to understand, well, damn, do we know what triggered her to fucking do something like that? What 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 does she have in her life that went on with her? And I think with this situation now, she's going to be probably executed more than likely. You have to think about what she went through. She went through years and years of sexual abuse. I don't know what that's like, but I can imagine you that that can't be something that gives you many uh, good vibes and good thoughts in life. So that that's a tough one, man. And I, I just, I don't, I don't like to see anybody being killed, bro. I just tell you this, man. My my standpoint is this, Jules, and I've always told you this. Mm-hmm. If you commit a crime, I want you to go to jail. And in cases like this where somebody's done something where they've killed somebody, I want you in jail for the rest of your life, no chance of parole, and I want you to think about what you did. Now, and there's cases where people are mentally unstable and things of that nature. Well, you know, in any way, they need to go to a facility and get out of the public, uh, you know, Get out of public, right? But right, right. I don't. I, I don't subscribe to a situation where I think people should, especially the government. I don't think they should have the ability to say, uh, "Joe Schmo over here." I think he should die. I don't know. I just, for me, I just don't subscribe to that. I got you. I, it depends on the, on the circumstances for me. Corey Johnson, as, as you talked about with the last one with uh, mental condition, this one here. He's been set on January 14, like I said, to be uh, executed. But his lawyer said he has a uh, intellectual disability. And that due to when he was 13 years old, he was abducted by, by his drug addict mother to a residential facility from children with intellectual emotional impairs. You know, his mother was strung out, allegedly, you know, and just born with a, a, a defect, a mental defect. So he got popped off with, with murder. Him and, the first, and a few other gang members were, it was caught and charged for killing 10 people. You know, some of these victims were rival drug dealers and suspected snitches and people who disrespect their gangs. So they just went on and went on a little killing spree. But Johnson, he suffered from intellectual disability, like I said, which it's prohibit him from being executed under the Featherweight Constitutional Law. Now, why he's on why he's on deck of being executed on the 14th. I have no idea if it's, you know, saying it's prohibitive. You know, that's something that needs to be talked about. So they say up in court, no jury ever listened to the evidence at the hearing, decide that he have intellectual disability. Okay, so there you go. So another one, Perez, like, like we've been talking about with the last three people, a mental uh, disability, wrong representation or lack of representation, and the evidence of them being is not being presented. Again, same common denominator of all three that we had talked about. Yeah, and even the ones from the previous episode. Right, um, right, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Also, I think from 
with correct me if I'm wrong, they were trying to also delay Johnson's execution because didn't I thought one of his lawyers caught COVID or something too, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, that, I think I that's what I was trying to. Right. 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 Yeah. But either way, it's still going to happen uh, because uh, Biden doesn't get inaugurated uh, until the 20th. Right. And I think his execution, what'd you say, the 14th? It's on the 14th. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, any of these people that are set to be executed before the 20th, there's going to be no, uh, there's going to be no resources to, to help no. them. But no, Biden is, he's a, a staunch opponent of the death penalty. So I think for some of these other cases that are out there, I think he'll step in and, and help those people out. I mean, I hope so. Like I said, the ones who deserve it, mental condition, I, and it's a lot of them. I don't want to be scaring people, but at being on the job and stuff, we cut, we encounter a lot of people who have mental disabilities. And like I said, 10 out of 10 out of 11 times, they're cool. It's just that 11 time they might have a bad day. They haven't taken their pill or something triggered or something triggered them to act out. Well, but also too, it comes with the deeper issue of mm-hmm. where are the resources for these individuals. We and I've talked about this in season one about the fact that all of the different mental institutions and the clinics and the places where they go to get help, those were some of the places that were basically shut down under the Trump administration. They were shut down, right? Yeah, they were shut down. So then, where so do all they those people the go street. now? They're they on the street. <laughs> They're on the street. They're on the street. Their parents can't. Uh, the family members sometimes can't deal with them. We encounter a lot of them. When they off when they off their medication, they are strong. You know, sometimes we have to use our, our, our weapons and stuff like that for tasing. Man, they put them things right off. You got to right. literally hold them. Oh man, my God! I remember my partner. I tried to, you know, just cuff this one guy up, and man, I was at the end of the day. I was at the bottom. It was like a football pile. I was at the bottom of it. It was like six or eight officers on top of me. That's how strong this dude was. Now wow. he wasn't be, he wasn't being arrested, but we was trying to take him to the hospital so he can get help because he ended up breaking out windows at his at his grandmother's house, and oh, he was wow. off his medication. But sorry, yeah, my, my bad. Press to go. Do, do oh no, no, okay. because I I like those antidotes. Don't don't know. Okay, yeah, go for that, bro. Uh, but no, because I think that backs up my original point is the simple fact that not only are law enforcement encountering these people, but these people are encountering you know people on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. remember what I said earlier in this season that I feel like a lot of people in law enforcement, now it seems like you have a good handle on how to you know, engage with these people, but it seems to me sometimes that law enforcement, they struggle sometimes with their training of how to handle someone that's distressed, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those situations, they turn pretty, they turn pretty violent really quickly. And so that's a lot of why I just look at these issues and I go a step further. So we could talk about the fact of, the you know the crime and we can talk about the fact of individuals doing things but what's the root cause the root cause is that right. these these people are fucked up and they're fucked up because right. they're not getting help <laughs> you know right no, so i think no, i perfect. think a lot of no. not, not enough people are talking about that no no i got you and that and they need to be talked about because it it happens a lot mm-hmm. it happens a lot and 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 people need help they can't help it it was either born or something happened a a, a traumatic experience happened that they was made this way I know one kid in particular, he was in school. Somebody gave him a drug that was laced with something and messed him up. He was in school. He was in college. He went away from college. I forgot what's, what school his mom was talking to his mom for, 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 for a little bit. Because we ended up finding him. He was sitting in somebody's car. It wasn't his. And the guy was mad. And we was like, okay, all right, hold on. We got it. He was upset. All right, okay, rightfully so. Rightfully but so. We, sure. but, but we knew so he, 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 wasn't, he, he wasn't right. 
Mm-hmm. So we was just asking where he lived at and stuff. And he took us to his house and we talked to his mom and stuff. And she was telling us the little story that he was in school getting good grades and went to a party, ended up smoking something he shouldn't, and it was laced or something, and it just just messed him up. That's tough, man. That's real tough. But again, what it comes down to is a situation like that of having the wherewithal to be able to navigate a situation like that. I just think that mm-hmm. I just want people to understand that that's something that we're all going to continue to probably encounter because with more and more resources being stripped away from people that need it, especially during these times, that we're going to probably see more and more situations that may pop up like this. But Jules, man, before we kind of get out of here, man, I know we touched on it or I touched on it briefly uh, with my opinion on the death penalty. I just want to just touch on one quick point here and I'm going to let you kind of wrap up this, this, this episode and this topic for me. The death penalty is just very problematic. And, and, and you remember in last week's episode when I brought up the story about 14-year-old George Stinnett Jr. and how mm-hmm. that situation mm-hmm. really resonated with me and it really brought me to a, 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 a state of emotion. When mm-hmm. I think of the death penalty, mm-hmm. I think of the history of it and how it's basically been applied in unfair and unjust situations against people of color. <laughs> and it mostly has been people that don't have money, that don't have resources, that don't have skilled attorneys. And also, let's just be honest, it also depends where the crime took place. Because if that crime took place in Florida or Texas, your ass is fucked. Or somewhere in the South, Louisiana. You want to stay on. away from the red zones. <laughs> Man. And, but also, with the death penalty, bro, people of color are, for, are far more likely to be executed than white people especially if the victim is white. Because we oh. saw that with the William Francis uh, situation where that pharmacist was a white male and Willie Francis used to work there at the pharmacy and Francis was accused of that crime. And for our audience that listened to the episode last week, uh, Francis was the, uh, was the individual that survived an execution. Just think about how fucking awful that had to be for him. But I also just think that death penalties, they continue to be a waste of taxpayers' money. Think about the money that can be used to help people with mental health, money that can be used to go into the education system, all things that you know are a part of the bigger, bigger picture to me, right? I also mm-hmm. don't think that it deters violent crime. It's actually, to me, the lowest way to reduce violent crime. I think mm-hmm. if they really care about reducing violent crime, what you have to do is go to the root of the issue, like I brought up a second ago. Help people to suffer from mental illness. Create a better economy. Invest in education. Our school systems. Rebuild our inner cities, bro. Because how many innocent people have been put to death? Because not a lot of people talk about that. Florida, Texas, Louisiana. There's a lot of individuals over time that have been wrongfully, not only accused of crimes, but they've been wrongfully put to death, right? Even if it's only one out of 10, that 10% is still more than it should be. So for me, I just think that the money that they're using on basically putting people to death, those monies can be used to solve and prevent crimes. And I think a lot of those resources that I brought up, Jules, I think that's part of the the, the bigger picture here than basically just killing somebody. Because guess what? That's the easy way. Okay, you've killed that person. But guess what? Another crime is going to be committed two weeks out later, a week later, right? But are we going to get to what the real issue is? And that's what my concern is when it comes to the death penalty. Like, we need to be going after solutions 
doing surgeries, right? Okay. And actually uh, assessing the world for, for what we see. But go ahead with your thoughts. But that was just my two cents. No, no, no. This, hey, man, that's, hey, that's more than two cents to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you hit it right on. I mean, you talked about how you, we can use the money for the death penalty to, to, to better overall people in general. Like I say, right. uh, resources and jobs and, and understanding the, the root of what, what happened. My only thing with the death penalty is, I'm going to be a little, little, simple, a little empathetic, but it's, it's certain situations I've come across. Like I say, I've been on a job on the police department for almost 16 years. And you see the worst, I see the worst in people every day. And one thing that stood, stood out in mind is elderly people and children. And when I heard the story about Tyshawn Lee, that nine-year-old who was executed by a rival gang member of his father, I'm like, this dude do not need to live. You know, it's just certain situations. For me, it's just certain situations like that. I, I feel that the death penalty is, is okay. Because that kid didn't do anything to you. And you took it out on him because of who his father is. And those are pretty about the only situations, like I say, elderly people and kids and, you know, you know, situations like that is where I feel that the death penalty should be for somebody who just have a, a, a total disregard for, uh, for, a human, for a human being's life. No, so I hear you. That's with me. But I'm also with, like with you. If somebody's remorseful, they did things because they, they didn't know what they was doing. It was an accident or just, you know, it happened. Something like that. There's a few with mental mental episodes, and there's some that was an accident. You got people that was playing with guns and accidentally shot somebody. It was a it's a horrible experience and stuff that happened, and don't don't deserve it. When I see somebody like that who just gunned down a kid, man, my God. So it, it, I, I so I, I agree with you in that sense when it came to that little kid, but I also, um, Jules, I blame the kid's father, I think, more than the person that pulled the trigger on I got you. You're right. You're right. Um, You're absolutely right. as a father, you have a responsibility to protect and to to be an example for your child. And this is something that we'll get into deeper on another episode. But I think that that individual is not a father. He's a piece of shit. And Mm -hmm. you basically put your child in harm's way. And a lot of people have to realize that the lives that they lead, they don't just only affect you, but it affects the people that are around you. And so I think that that's a, a, right. a bigger, that's a bigger picture there for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Real talk, Chris, real talk. His father more to blame than, than that dude that pulled that trick. The last point on this death penalty thing, you know what I don't like about it as well, Jules, is the fact that I feel like politicians and stuff like that, they use these mm-hmm. situations to prop themselves up, um, to kind of give themselves some profile. Like, so they'll try to say, we're giving justice for this family, but you really don't care about that. You're just basically killing somebody and, and, and basically to make yourself, you know, look good, make you look like that you've, uh, you're doing justice for the sake of like giving family some, some peace of mind. But a lot of times, all these situations do is they trudge up bad memories for their family again because now they have to relive that trauma all over again. I don't know, man. I just feel like politicians sometimes they kind of they use these these uh, executions to prop themselves up. It, let me ask you: Should they ask the family what they want? Well, I, I think that most times, yeah, most of the families they just want the person to basically be sent to jail. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of situations where family members have said. Oh, yeah, I want this person to be killed. I mean, like even the case okay. with uh, with the Brandon Bernard. Now, the mother of the lady that was killed in, in that Fort Hood shooting, 
she basically said, yeah, in one sense, it gave her relief. But then in another sense, she thought maybe, hmm, like, should he have been killed? So I think it's just one of those situations. It just depends. I think in the heat of the moment when your loved one is first taken from you, I guarantee you, your first right. reaction is you want that person dead. But oh, I yeah. think yeah, what they say, uh, right. what they say, Jules, time heals all wounds. And then you start to time think about it. Wounds. Yeah. And you think about it in a little different lens. So I don't know. No, no, no. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And few cases I have heard, the family would still pray for that person. Right. Think back with the uh, with that uh, oh man, that Dallas police officer who that female who shot and killed the the uh, the brother. In the, I guess she had the wrong apartment, but that, that's uh, that's a different story. Oh yeah, the, the brother. Drunk. Yeah, yeah. The the brother was. I forgive you. You have people in this world. You have a lot of good people who's just, who grew up in Christian belief and 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 if you and grew up saying if they can't forgive, then how do they expect for anybody to forgive them and, and for God to forgive? So it, it's it's a lot of people out there like that. Yeah, and I think that that's back kind of why I have the viewpoint that I have that I just think that I think we need to put a halt on this whole killing people and death penalty thing. And I think that a Put them, put them in jail for the rest of their lives. And I know that some people will say, well, Prez, what about the cost of those people to taxpayers being in jail for X number of years? I get that. But guess what? <laughs> if we got money to be fixing uh, furniture and, 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 and different... Pa- and now we got to really spend money it's to fix some stuff. It's a, fixing furniture. There's a whole <laughs> lot of furniture needs to be fixed up in that, in that one building, boy. Yeah. There's furniture moving all around that place. But the point is, though, Jules, you saw that when they want to create resources, they can. And so I just think create resources where we need them and really just get back to healing. Because especially during these times right now, man, and we talked about a lot in the beginning part of this episode of traumatic things that are going on in this country. And there's people that are out here that witnessed that shit on Wednesday that were traumatized, right, for many different reasons. 2020 was already a rough year, and we all, you and I both said on this show, just because the calendar changed didn't mean things were going to necessarily change, but I think people went into this year hopeful, Jules, and mm-hmm. we're already starting the year off, and it's the same fucking shit. Man, hey, listen, good have to rose itself and be accessible, because if not, evil take over, and that's what, we, that's what we're seeing. I do not want to relive 2020, my God, but to start off, and this is only what the, that Capitol building, they stole the Capitol. That was what, what the, On the fifth? sixth, the sixth, mm-hmm. six days in the new year. Right. Come on, people. Come on, people. <laughs> we got to do better than that. <laughs> like you said, they don't, it, it start with yourself. You got to look in that man in the mirror, like Michael Jackson said. It start with yourself. <laughs> it's true. That's man, true. if you can change, then everybody can change, man. I mean, come on. We can, we got to do better all across the board. All people that do is just, fucking care i guess i don't know maybe it's maybe it's harder than than it is i don't know i think it's simple just treat people like you want to be treated just treat people fairly treat people fairly. like you want to be treated fair yeah that's it that's 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 it just like how i said earlier right Keep, keep that same energy right if one situation over here on the left you had an issue with for whatever variety of reasons well what we saw on wednesday you should definitely (laughs) <laughs> have emotions and feelings about what you saw there and don't try to excuse it. So that's it, right? And again, I want to end this episode by saying that those five lives that were lost didn't have to, they didn't have to be lost. That was a situation that should not have happened. 
that is a day in America that was ugly. We have to fucking change our mentalities. We have to stop letting things divide us. We have to start learning how to communicate and working with people. Jules and I don't agree with everything, but this is my dude, a hundred grand. We can have a conversation for four hours on something that we might not necessarily Mm -hmm. agree with. But guess what? When we get through chopping it up on that phone call, that shit is over with and done with. A lot of people can't do that. Disagreeing doesn't mean that you have to turn somebody into an enemy or not, or somebody that you're against. Exactly. And I love having conversations with people that have an adverse uh, opinion. Think about, Jules, all the stuff that was going on over the course of the summer. And people are reaching out to me and they were like, hey, man, I, I, I know what you're going through, but this. And I'm like, no, ain't no but. But if you want to have that conversation, we can have it. But just know that I may say a couple things that you may not necessarily, uh, mm-hmm. it, it may not hit you real, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. At the end of the day, and I think, Jules, you know this about me, man. I'm passionate about everything I do. But, bro, my heart's always in the right place, man. I just want us as a whole country to just do better, to be better, man. Because we're better together, bro. This shit that's mm-hmm. been going on where everybody's all divided. If Somebody like says some shit like sideways. I don't want to have to like somebody that I'm cool with. I have to wonder, are you trying to say something? Cause I don't know because of the climate. I don't, I want to get that out of the, the viewpoint. I want to get that out of the way. I want a world where we're being transparent and that people are working together. That's it. Chris, everything you said, I'll, 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 I'll repeat it. Like the uh, deacons in church. I second it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, bro, this was a good-ass episode, man. I appreciate you, man. Audience, thank you for listening, and we out. Well, Jules, episode 12 for season two is in the books. And I would definitely say this one is probably going to go down. It's probably one of our most noteworthy. Some great content here. I hope everybody took something really, really strong and powerful away from this. Without further ado, go on and hit them with that curtain call, bro. All right, this curtain call goes out to Curtis Flowers. Flowers spent nearly half his life in prison for the murders of four people and may still be on death row if not for the investigative work of the In the Dark podcast. Flowers was tried six times for the same crime by the same prosecutor, but was ultimately saved from death row. Decades of court data revealed that prosecutor Doug Evans had a history of excluding Black people from juries at a disproportionate rate. Across all of Flowers' trial, 61 of 72 jurors were white. All 61 voted to convict them. Not surprising. In 2019, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Evans and the state of Mississippi have violated Curtis Flowers' constitutional right and overturned his conviction. Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Deezer. We appreciate your continued support of this podcast. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.